Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Seidel and Marina Galan. In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the School for Mystics. Hi, Marina. Hello, Misha. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for creating this amazing program in which we can share ourselves so generously and beautifully. So this is our episode number one. So it is. The beginning of an adventure. Yeah. How about we, uh, A, explain what the mysticism is about and why we call the podcast this way. And we touch on the topic of personal transformation. But before we do that, how about we introduce yourself? I think it's a good idea. Sure. Okay. Well, my name is Marina. I am Marina Galan. Marina Galan. I live in Mexico. I am from Mexico. I live with my three sons, teenage sons, which is... A school, of, a school of mysticism in itself. Right. <laughs> and um, I guess I, I, I feel like it's a confession time. So I am committed to a life of transformation and I am in love with the way of the mystic. So this, this really sounded like a cool idea to explore and express what my journey has been. And I actually always wanted to ask you that. Are you a Mexican living in Mexico or you're someone else living in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am from Mexico. I was born in Mexico. My father is from Spain. So mm. all my, my family on my father's side is in Spain. And uh, my mother's family, even though she was born in Mexico, her family is from Belgium. Mm. And friends, so there is a bit of a mix there. It's a strange mix, but but yes, I am Mexican. I feel Mexican. I I love Mexico, and every every year I love it more. And every every year I love more being Mexican. So that's why you speak French, because part of your family speaks French, or you actually had to go study somewhere and learn it. <laughs> When I was growing up, uh, my grandmother was living with us. And so we spoke French at home most of the time, except when my father was there. Then we had to switch to Spanish. Okay. And I went to a French speaking school when I was young until the age of 11. And then I left the French uh, life, to say it one way. And uh, then I went back to studying French one more year in in high school but that was a very very long time ago so now going back to French can sometimes be difficult it takes me a couple of days of listening to French or reading in French to refresh it in my mind I understand and what do you do you you mentioned that you devoted yourself to yeah. transformation and what do you do today how do you make money 
I um, I am a coach and a teacher, and I share an understanding of the mind and the nature of human experience with individuals and couples and teams and businesses and corporations all over the world. And uh, that is somehow the way I have found to stay in the conversation, to actually be committed to a life of transformation, not only teaching transformation, but being transformation, uh, embodying transformation itself as I continue on my path. How about me, you, Misha? Who are you? Okay, so I have quite a similar story. I'm married with two kids. I live in Toronto, Canada, but I'm not, I was not born here. Mm. I was born in Eastern Europe. Originally, I'm from Ukraine. And then we traveled quite a lot and we ended up here in Canada. And for last, I think six years already, I got my MBA degree here and we decided to stay in this lovely country and to make it ours. How long have you been there? So six years in Canada. And then before that, traveling across the world. I lived in Turkey. I lived in China. Uh, I lived in many countries in Eastern Europe as well. All right. Yeah. Sweet. You must have gathered uh, quite a cultural collection of um, knowledge and insights throughout those years. Yeah, since I remember myself, I was interested, I was fascinated by humans. I, I think I was fairly young boy when I started learning neuro-linguistic programming. Wow. And, and then gestalt therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and emotional focus therapy. I think my first chunk of psychological education was done by probably the moment I turned 18. So like yourself, I'm a coach and I'm a teacher. I have to admit that I love teaching more than coaching <laughs> but I at the same time I can't imagine myself not doing one without the other yeah that, that's interesting may I ask you what the difference is to you between coaching and teaching and the answer is changing every year of course Teachers are telling these stories. They want their students to take seriously. Coaching doesn't have any attachment towards any story and more focused about helping other human being to find her own source of truth and wisdom. That's the definition for me today. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So why why 
Why the school for mystics? Good question, Marina. <laughs> it's very old tradition that inspired, I think, us in the first place. I think many people confuse mysticism with esoterics. Oh, yeah. The pure idea of mysticism is the idea of seeking and finding truth. A mystic is someone who did not buy into mainstream idea, and I like to say lamestream idea, <laughs> of, of, of how things work, and decide, decided to find the truth. Like a scientist who is really interested in how things work for herself or himself. And if the reality will show that, hey, mainstream was right, and you have to believe, but they came to that conclusion through their search and not through the, oh, someone told me, that's why I should just take it for granted. And I think the, the origin of it, the way I see it, is go, goes back to Sufism and yogic tradition, where you had people who decided, and they decided to do that, to go beyond what material world can offer and use the path of cognition and experiencing to understand what is true and what is not. What do you think of it? That's a bold statement, what is true and what is not. But yes, oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, this, you know, you already know me. I'm very certain kind of dude. <laughs> I know, yeah. You enjoy clarity and certainty. You know, this is how it is. Absolutely. That's why I like teaching more than coaching. <laughs> <laughs> right. You see, that, that starts making sense now, more and more. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Misha. Tell me how you see mysticism and why you bought into this idea of creating the podcast together. Okay. So, I, I didn't study psychology like you. But I became very interested in my teen years in philosophy. And so I started exploring by myself. You know, it was not a school assignment. It was just a personal exploration of philosophy. And uh, I soon discovered that philosophy was the backdrop for everything. You know, like behind anything you found, any piece of information, there was a philosophy behind it. And, and somehow I got really curious about that. But after going through, you know, the study of philosophy and art and history and literature and all that, I, I found myself bumping into the study of mysticism almost by accident. And uh, 
I had bought into the mainstream idea unconsciously that mysticism was the study of extremes. You know, like if you imagine a tree, like if I go to the most exterior branches, like the tips of the tips of the tips. And I, I discovered as I started, you know, diving into mysticism, that it was the actual opposite. Like when you take Islamic mysticism and, um, I don't know, Judaic mysticism and etc. What you find is that the mystic traits are way closer together than, than the mainstream ideas in religion or in philosophy. So mysticism kind of goes to the to the heart of the trunk or the roots of the tree, even. You know, it seems to be like the most natural, experiential teaching and understanding that you can get directly from life without the story, without the dogma, without the uh, indoctrination, the belief. And so in a way, this possibility of actually exploring oneself versus the ideas that have been decanted by others and and going inside and looking for what is true, looking for insight, looking for revelation, and then exploring the possibility of embodying those revelations became a source of fascination for me. And I, so everything I would read, I would kind of want to embody, I would kind of integrate and see what was, what was slowly making sense inside me. Now, interestingly, as, as my journey went forward, when I bumped against the understanding of the mind known as the three principles, I realized that I had too many pieces trying to fit together, <laughs> that it was way, way simpler than I was making it to be. And so suddenly everything that was not necessary kind of just fell away, faded into the background. And, and the elemental principles of how the mind works, how the human experience happens, how insight guides us became very apparent to me, very evident. And from then on, I recognize constant experience as an experience of mysticism if you are willing to look at it from the most intimate part of yourself, not what it does to your frame of mind, to your uh, mental construct, to your whatever, to your story, but from the most intimate part of you, meeting experience from there transforms life into a mystic experience, constant mystic experience, in which you find yourself completely exposed, completely offered to experience and, and what it can bring in terms of expansion and growth and clarity.
of understanding. And so when you brought forward the idea of why don't we why don't we make a podcast in which we can explore things from this perspective? You know, and and there will be no uh not too rigid a form to it, but it will be just free exploration. It sounded like a perfect way to do it. So thank you for that. Yeah. I could not imagine any other way, by the way. Yeah. You see, so in a way it is teaching, but not because it's yeah. teaching through exploration. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to teach as well. Well, yeah, I think so too. You see, in my head, the way I understand what we're doing is when you learn to live from that intimate space inside you, the space of possibility and expansion and, and revelation, you, you know how to read landscapes. And so you can go into any territory whatsoever and read from it and learn from it and guide yourself in it because you are in a radical presence with a territory and that informs you differently. That's one of the things, by the way, we discussed the other day, the unique ability of a coach to read the landscape no matter where you are. Yeah, we have talked about it. Hey, maybe we will talk about it in a future episode. Yeah, we should. Yeah. This idea, and we, when, by the way, everyone who is listening to us now, when I say unique ability to read the landscape, I hope you understand we are talking metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the inner landscape. Let's put it that way. Right. It's like when someone comes for help, and no matter what the context is, whether it's a business context or a life context or, I don't know, career context, any type, since we know how to read the landscape, we are not attached to the context itself. Yeah, we're not attached to the territory. Yes. Yeah. Tell me, when was the moment when you thought seriously about mysticism, like the moment of mind shift, like, oh, wow, you know, this is changing my life now. When was the moment? Well, I can think of a few examples. I can think of a few examples, but at some point, Many years ago, I became really interested in, in a concept named Sohbet. And Sohbet is a Sufi expression that points to a transformational conversation. And the definition of Sohbet is a, a conversation in which both actors go beyond the concepts of ego and identity and enter a space that touches them so deeply that when they come out of it, they are both transformed. And as I, as I began to become interested in this idea of Sohbet, I started wondering, you know, like, 
who can I have this kind of conversations with? And uh, um, in my attempt to get informed about the kind of relationship that I was looking for, I bumped into an amazing, amazing character named Shams of Tabrizi. And uh, I think most people today in the world know who Rumi is, Rumi the Persian poet. But very few people know of the existence of Shams. And Shams was the companion, the spiritual companion of Rumi in life. And they explored life together for 40 years through this kind of conversation, through Sophet and through exposing themselves to life. But it was in in the exercise of the conversation per se, that they could reach the depths of what they were actually experiencing because they were able to gain the fruits of what they were experiencing. And so because I became, I became kind of obsessed with finding someone that I could have this kind of companionship with. And sure enough, life Life brought me an amazing, amazing companion. And we had the privilege of, of exploring together for a few years. For a few years. And uh, that, that initial exploration with someone transformed my life completely. It was never the same again. And, and somehow I have found that Revisiting my life from that point of view, I have discovered that there is always a companion with us. There is always someone that is walking a few steps of the journey with us and that is one way or another helping us make sense of it at a deeper level so that we can actually go on. But that relationship for me, that companionship for me, made an absolute change, like a like a before and after in terms of innocence and consciousness. And it made me aware of companionship, the possibility of sohbet, the possibility of transformation as a thing, as an active thing that I could actually look at and learn from. And, and so because transformation became the object of study, I... I guess you could say I was, I was both the scientist and the rat. <laughs> I was both the, the studier and the guinea pig. So I was, I was embodying the conversation, but embodying the research at the same time. So I think that, that going from innocence to consciousness to awareness of what was going on, of what I was actively doing and looking for, made probably the most the most dramatic change in my life. Yeah, I was listening to you, and I had a few ideas and um, pictures in my head. What you're calling sopet in Judaic tradition, and uh, my father is Jewish, so I had to be 
acquainted with both Islamic and Judaic tradition because my mom is coming from Islamic line. So in Judaic tradition, there is this idea of pilpul. And pilpul is the way of exploration when conversation stops only when one quits. And the way it can be described, let's say we are arguing about the politics, let's say democracy versus authoritarian type of structure. And the your partner, even though is democrat, and you are democrat as well, but your partner is obliged to take contrarian point of view. And the best things from those pill-pull conversations that I had with my childhood friend who happened to be an incredible human being, wise, philosophically inclined, and incredibly funny person at the same time. And we had these conversations, pill-pull conversations, since he was coming from Judaic tradition as well, for hours every day, since we were six until we turned 20. Every day we would, exp- we would take a concept and we will explore it to the very end. For instance, we uh, will discuss fascism and the position of someone who is a victim of it. Or Nazism, like neo-Nazism, their point of view. For instance, I will take, even though big part of my family was uh, killed during the Second World War by Nazis, and he will take someone position of someone who went through a concentration camp as as a Jewish person. So we would prepare for that conversation and I would find the best books ever written by Nazis. Books that were written by their renowned scientists and, you know, ideologists very, very smart people who held this point of view. And I would protect this point of view, even though initially I am in in the other camp. And we will fight with each other using our words to explore the concept to the very end. That's why I'm a bit argumentative. (laughs) Yeah, but what I wanted to point out, and I'm I'm glad you're bringing this up, is that contrarian is not necessarily argumentative. So there is there is a there is a radical difference between opposing a point of view and questioning yes. a point of view. Yes. So when you are opposing, you have a rigid, static point of view against another one. When you are questioning, you are actually 
bringing down the barriers and opening yourself up to new thinking, to a new way of seeing things, to a way maybe in which even the opposites can be integrated. Yeah, for and, sure. And that, to me, is contrarian. It's not a position-wise. It's an invitation to go beyond that. And that, for me, is the kind of conversation that mysticism ensures. Like, this is, that is the invitation. So true. Our own evolution of people conversations with my friend brought us eventually to the idea that everything is a story and mysticism is about looking beyond the story. And the second idea that we concluded with was the truth does not require compromise. <laughs> Beautiful. You, yeah, truth is self-evident. It does not need to be defended. Yes. And the opposite of truth sometimes is a bigger truth. More That's why. State. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And another point I, I wanted to share with you that really kicked things for me, you know, kicked off this, what you call life of transformation for me, is when I met my first teacher. It's incredible what a human being with ex extraordinary high level of consciousness can do to another one who is open. It is just incredible. It has changed my life, blown me away. So for me, the teacher was Byron Katie. And I know Byron has uh, this quite famous book by her, uh, Love and What Is, and many people read it. But my conversation with her started from another book that is called Thousands Faces of Joy. And in this book, Byron shares her mystical ideas, how life works, how other human beings are to be perceived. And it was such a groundbreaking experience for me just by reading the book. So I, I, I was looking for every opportunity to meet her in person, to connect with her. I literally started stalking her. <laughs> you know, uh, read and listened to every word of her. So she was my kind of first in my adulthood, kind of first through teacher. And my own understanding went beyond to everything I could imagine before meeting her. And that's when I realized that, hey, actually people can do that to each other. Yeah. How cool is that? How cool is that? Oh my God. It's you know, when I, when, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by these hero movies. You know, like Spider-Man, Superhero. yeah. superheroes, right? Like comics. 
and I, I was like, I remember sleeping my sleeping and dreaming about how I'm flying and how I'm saving people and all of that. But then the next day I woken up and hey, I don't have any super abilities. I don't have any superpowers. I'm just mere human thing, you know, and I have to drag myself to the job and just see the movie to feel better again. <laughs> you know, to watch the movie, to feel myself somewhere else, to read fantasies, to read Harry Potter and all of books like that. And then I see her and I see what she's doing and what she has done to me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it. You know, this is the superpower. And it's, it's way better than being a Spider-Man or Batman. Like you don't have actually, you don't have to kill people to protect them anymore. <laughs> And yet, the radical importance of being open, yeah. of being open to be touched by truth, to being helped by those superpowers, by that person in front of you. So in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, Misha, but in a way, what you and I are doing here is... We are willing to come to a conversation totally open, totally raw, and just explore freely whatever topic we can think of. But we are making the conversation accessible to others that are open enough to gain from it, to learn from it, to be touched by it. And we are doing so not only in an attempt for ourselves to go deeper, but to also extend the invitation to others to come deeper with us as we go. Yeah, I would add our conversation is not only an invitation towards opening your hearts and accepting or con even considering other point of views and ideas. But also we are making an invitation to the life of transformation. We are willing to be your guys, if we may, and show what is actually possible. Yeah, so it's not only us being the superheroes showing you what we can do for you, but it's actually us pointing to your own superpowers so that, so that you can access those possibilities within you and you can transform not only your life, but the lives of every single person that comes in contact with you. Yeah. And that brings us to the promise. And I know what you're thinking about the promises. 
<laughs> you don't know what I am thinking. You're making that up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I think I kind of know. You know, I want to give a promise to someone who embraces the conversation, this transformational conversation. Pilpul or Sapet or whatever, you know, we want to, talk, to call it. The promise is that we promise, if you embrace it, that your life will not be a life of incremental progression. Your life will be an example of exponential breakthroughs. Exponential transformation. Yeah. And and we we feel confident enough to make that promise, not because we are very confident in ourselves and our I am. I, I am actually. <laughs> <laughs> but because we know how this works. Yeah. We have gone through the motions ourselves. We have been on the path and on the journey for a while now, enough to understand how this works. So we know from experience and because we work with, we have worked both of us with so many people worldwide, we know that if you open yourself up to this conversation, it must transform your life. Yes. It can, it cannot be any other way. And, and I would add to that also, Misha, that it is way less of a conversation about what you need to do mm -hmm. in order to access your superpowers and a lot more of a conversation of what you need to stop doing. Yes. So how, how to not get in your own way how to not interrupt your own flow, how to not go against yourself, if you want to see it that way. So in a very literal sense, it is a, a way of unlearning or going beyond what you have learned up until now. I agree, 100%. And we'll be talking about the nature of fear and courage and the nature of thinking and how to lead and how to be guided. We'll, we'll be touching on all the topics. We'll go even beyond. We will open our lives to you. So you can see that it hasn't been always unicorns and daisies in our lives <laughs> oh god no yeah you know I was, as you were speaking right now I was I was thinking back to Saint Therese of Avila a Catholic mystic and her answer to the question so what do you do during prayer and her answer was I just allow myself to be loved completely. 
And so the request from us is allow yourself to be loved completely by our conversation. Yeah. And let's see what happens. I think it's impossible to listen to these conversations and not to have your heart open. And Brina, that's the promise. So our listeners will be getting every week an episode around 30 to 40 minutes. Beautiful. And we'll be continue that as long as we can. As long as we can. As long as, as we have permission. Yes. Thank you so much for the invitation, Misha. Thank you for accepting the invitation, my dear. And thanks everyone for listening and opening your hearts to us. Yes, please listen and review and tell us what you think. <laughs> Bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the School for Mystics podcast.